0: Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why it's important that we all take time to stop and not and not only hear, but to listen, mm. to listen and empathize and try to work out, okay, why are they feeling this way? Why did I have this belief? And try and put yourself in their position to say, okay, if I was in their shoes, how would I feel? Mm. And, and when people do that more often than not, they'd be like, I'll be feeling and thinking the same way that these people are
1: well hello there friends and welcome to yet another episode of couple of lattes i almost forgot what i was going to say then but somehow my brain did the work and now i'm still speaking yay completely off topic anyway welcome to another episode uh today i get to sit down with my friend tion J as we discuss race and uh music and education three very different but also very interconnected topics uh it's a fascinating discussion i'm super pumped that i got to sit down with tion we tried to record this uh the first time but my audio quality was terrible Uh, so we sat down for a second discussion and in my opinion this discussion was uh even better than the first and i really really enjoyed just openly having a conversation with tion about uh, some of the topics that You know, like they're quite controversial and it's really hard to talk about or perceived to be hard to talk about. But as you can see and hear in this conversation, it's not hard to actually have these conversations. If you just go in with the mindset that you really want to understand someone's point of view, that you really want to educate yourself on a topic instead of going in with the mindset of trying to be right all the time. But anyway, make up your own mind on this conversation. Uh, if you want to find Tion on J on any of his platforms, uh, I'm just going to link him in the description below. Uh, it's a really fascinating discussion. Tion is a radio host, a presenter, a DJ and MC, uh, and he's also a full-time teacher, which is crazy. Um, really love this discussion. Can't wait to have another one. Anyway, that's enough of me rambling on. Enjoy this podcast and make sure you subscribe, make sure you leave a five-star rating, make sure you leave a review if you're using Apple
0: Podcasts. Hey buddy, how are you? Yeah, good bro, how are you? Good, good, I've got a new
1: condenser mic. That looks badass.
0: Yeah, hard rubbish.
1: Dude, that's a, what and seriously you found that hard rubbish.
0: Yeah, hard that's rubbish a, we, well, that's a I, huge. I checked problem. it out and it's worth $300. Holy a shit!
1: Who would throw that out?
0: I don't know. Well, the same people who threw it out threw out two brand new graphite tennis rackets as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did you grab the tennis rackets too? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. That's an eBay sale.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I'll keep it. I love tennis, so...
1: Oh, no, I didn't know you played tennis. I saw you were selling your shoes, actually. Your...
0: your yeah, I've, yeah I've always got bit, b- bits and pieces for sale and stuff. It's like a, another income.
1: Oh, and whose voice is that speaking?
0: Hi there, I'm Tion J, And on this episode of A Couple of Lattes, you'll hear about my story as a teacher a dj and a father enjoy
1: that's the one bro do you do any like drop shipping or anything
0: what's that mean drop shipping what's that
1: honestly i can't really tell you fully what it, I, I think essentially the way it works is it's it's like setting up a store on amazon but you don't stock any of the inventory it's stocked at the factories and the manufacturers okay. and then you basically just sell the product for the people who have it at their factory and they do all the shipping so basically, you, right. just, you just post shit up and make money.
0: So you're like the middleman. You find the buyer and you've got the product and you just kind of bring them together and then you skim, skim the top of it effectively.
1: Pretty much. You're like the internet middleman.
0: Ah, oh, nice.
1: I thought about doing that. it. It sounds amazing, but obviously, like anything, it's a business, right? So you've got to set it up. So it's obviously hard work. Yeah. But it sounds amazing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it does sound amazing. It does sound amazing. Well, right. well, well, what I do is just um, I know quite a lot about a few things. And if I find something on you say, Gumtree or eBay or Marketplace, which is ridiculously cheap and I know I can double the money mm. very quickly and sell it, I'm just like, well, I might as well just do it and make, you know, if I buy it for 50 and sell it for 100, it's 50, it's 50 bucks or just yeah. post something online, you know.
1: Do you, do you ever listen to Gary V? Who? Gary Vaynerchuk. Never heard of him. Oh, bro, you got to listen to his podcast. If you're all about that kind of, like, he froths garage sales. Like, he's the dude. He's, like, multi, multi-millionaire, right? But he still goes to, like, garage sales and hustles people down to the dollar for, like, these things that will then sell <laughs> off. Like, he's the maddest, like, hustle dude out there, man. Like, check him out. I reckon you'll like him.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Oh. I will.
1: Yeah. Um, hey, bro, welcome to round two. <laughs> yeah. so so for anyone listening right now um i've just started recording by the way i hope you're cool with that
0: that's fine
1: yeah sweet um yeah for anyone listening now we tried this a couple weeks ago now and i just a month ago yeah yeah about a month ago i just completely fucked up the audio (laughs) you couldn't hear anything it's terrible
0: well good it happens man
1: um hey how how are you doing in a week One cubazillion of this crazy Melbourne lockdown we're in.
0: How am I doing? Um, Well, with the cases going down to 14 today, I don't know if you've heard.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
0: It's amazing, yeah. So I'm feeling a lot more upbeat. Mm. Um, With the continued relaxation of restrictions, I'm feeling better. Mm. But it's been a struggle, you know. Um, I'm a social person. I'm an outdoorsy person. Mm. Um, So to be forced to stay in pretty much all the time. It's it's been tricky. I'm not mm. gonna lie.
1: Mm. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. I actually had like probably this past week was the biggest struggles I reckon I've had mentally. Just that like that feeling of just have you seen the movie Groundhog Day, where it just repeats over and over and over again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. I think I have years ago, but yeah, I know I know I know the saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like most m- mornings, my partner and I, we wake up and we're like, what day is it today? <laughs> <laughs> what day is it? Was it, is it? A Tuesday? Oh, it feels like a Saturday. Oh, a Saturday. Oh, it feels like a Monday. You know, we just, every day rolls into one because there's yeah. no real differentiation. There's no real weekend because the weekend's the same as the week. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I know you relatively well now, Tion. So, like, I know you're a musician and you teach health at school. Um, yeah. So I've kind of pondered that for a while because I don't know many people who do, like when you think about being a DJ and being someone who hosts a radio show, and then at the same time being a health teacher at the school, they're quite polar opposite in a lot of ways, like the hours, the actual, um, I guess, the fundamentals of what you do. So I'm kind of interested to know, how did you kind of fall into doing both? (laughs) How does that work?
0: How does it work? Well, how did I fall into becoming a teacher and a DJ, or how do I ma- how do I manage both? Both, both of those. <laughs> so, how did I become a teacher? Well, I played quite a high level of soccer/slash football in the UK, and I played the equivalent to state standard and pro- professional. But my my state coach pretty much said. Tion, you, you'd become a good teacher because your manner, your temperament, your patience with people is very good. Mm. And that always stuck with me. And when soccer didn't really work out because I got quite a bad injury, uh, because I'd done quite well at school, I was able to start a teaching degree, um, which I specialized in sport to help me with my rehab. And when I did get fit again, I could still continue to play play soccer, which is the PE teacher route. The DJing route, my father's a DJ, my brother's a DJ, my sister's a singer, my family's full of full of musicians, my cousin's a radio presenter. Run so to the a, blood. At, run to the blood, yeah. An amalgamation of, of all of those. Mm. So on how'd me- I manage, go on, sorry?
1: On the music side of things, just interested do you play many instruments or is it just the DJ side of things? Like, do you sing, uh, do you play like guitar, piano, all that kind of stuff? Cause I know a lot of musicians kind of, they kind of have their fingers in a lot of different kind of musical pies, so to speak.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't call myself a musician per se, but I have learned how to play the clarinet, nice. which means I can play the sax very briefly, very, you know, to a very small level. I can play a treat on the bums if Play, play a beat on the drums if I have to yeah, yeah. Um, but I wouldn't call myself a, a musician
1: uh, what's what's kind of the? how do you define a musician I guess because <laughs> I would call you a musician
0: well maybe so maybe so I suppose like nowadays DJs are classed as musicians mm. I don't know how that works we don't really <laughs> make music um, we just present music I suppose I suppose it's the same as a musician really isn't it yeah. presenting music who knows? Uh, what's the difference? I think a musician is someone who can, who kind of plays music, and a DJ, is someone who presents music. Mm. Obviously, okay. a musician can present music as well, mm. but they can't, you know, fundamentally change the the sound.
1: Yeah, true. I the, guess
0: it, and the, and the music effectively.
1: I guess, like you say, it can be both as well, right? Like. I don't know Avicii, for example. This is obviously showing my musical knowledge. Would I say Avicii is my first DJ back You know, he's a producer and he's a presenter, right?
0: Yeah, of course, of course. So yeah, of yeah. Yeah, I uh, think if you present, you're more of a m- musician. But if you're just DJ, you're more of just a presenter of music.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes sense. And I guess back to that original question: like, how do you balance being a teacher, which is like, I guess the hours are, are predominantly nine to five-ish. And then you've got your DJ lifestyle, which sometimes you're playing till, what, like three, four in the morning, right? When, when Five in bars the morning, yeah, over, whenever.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, um, it's pretty straightforward to manage. Um, teachings in the day, in the week, on the Monday to Friday, and the, normally most gigs are on the weekend, Friday and, and Saturday. Um, I've got a supportive partner who helps me as well, yep. which is very handy. Um, but yeah, see, because of different times of the day and different times of the week they don't really overlap so it's not really an issue to manage your time mm-hmm.
1: Do you get like uh, do they kind of drain you sometimes the hours uh, you do because you've got a kid as well right like
0: uh, I don't got know tried, people, yeah. in,
1: the, in the background like you've got a kid like, running that's, around, yeah. that's a lot to manage
0: yeah uh, as I said I've got a supportive partner uh, my son well I try and leave for my gigs after he's asleep mm. and I'm and I'm, I'm a back before he's awake. And if he's awake and he wants daddy, I'll, I'll wake up with him. Mm-hmm. So I always make sure I've got energy to do that. So I'm well rested. If it means, let's say I have a gig at 10 p.m., my son sleeps at 7 p.m., I might have a, like an hour and a half nap, see before I go to my gig. And after the gig, I come home, go straight to sleep, and I wake up with maybe, you know, like th- four or four, five hours sleep, fresh enough to, to play with my son, so i manage it.
1: That's amazing, bro. I I want to take a moment to acknowledge you because, like, you make it sound really chill because that's your nature. But for a lot of people, they'd be cringing. They'd be like, ugh, four hours sleep. (laughs) Fuck.
0: Well, it's management management as well, isn't it? I mean, like, Mm. I'm quite good at knowing when I'm going to have some time. So I'm like, okay, in this time, I need to have this to get this done. In that Mm. time, I need to get that done. So I'm quite good at forward thinking, and then I work backwards from there. Mm, so yeah. every Saturday I wake up with my son if I have a gig on a Friday, um, I make sure that you know I don't, I don't drink alcohol. I drink plenty of water, um, and I'm mentally I'm mentally ready as well to wake up with my son because if you're half asleep and your son's running around, it's the worst thing. You've got to be okay, guys. Or okay, son, we're up. We're doing this. We're going swimming. We're going to the park, and just yeah. and just do it.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's, um, there's some really good kind of nuggets of wisdom in there, Tion, because I guess for a lot of people, uh, there's there's always that excuse, like, I don't have time, right? Like, I don't have time to do my little passion projects on the side, or I don't have time to start my business, or I don't have time to start a family and do two Mm. different things at once, you know, like, you're someone who shows that, well, if you want it to happen, like, you're kind of the one in charge. So just make it happen.
0: Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to preach about all that stuff, but there's plenty of time in the day, you know, like mm. for me at the moment, well, especially through lockdown, I'm waking up at six in the morning um, because that's a time when my family's asleep. That means that's my hour and a half of the day where I can do whatever I want and normally just go for like an hour run or hour exercise and I come home, uh, have my shower and then I've done what I want to do for that mm, day. Mm. You know? That's or so when good. my yeah or when my son's asleep and my partner's chilling i might jump on my laptop and you know produce some music for an hour Mm -hmm. at at the end of the day so there is time it's just how much you want to do it really
1: yeah yeah i totally agree bro like it's powerful having i do the same obviously (laughs) i don't have kids or i don't have a missus who's here anyway she's in brazil so we're doing it long distance so in that sense i've got a lot more free time to do my thing but That's so important, right? Like, so many people end up amazingly, ridiculously stressed because they just don't give themselves a little bit of, like, personal time in the morning. Just waking up an hour earlier and doing something for yourself actually gives you so much more energy than sleeping in and diving straight into the shit, you know?
0: Absolutely. I mean, like, a a few days I have slept in. And then just jumped onto, my, onto Zoom and started to teach. And I feel terrible physically and mentally. Mm. But mm. when I wake up early, I do some yoga sometimes for maybe 20 minutes. Mm. I do some uh, vinyasa or um, what's the new when I'm doing? Um, salutations, sun salutations. It's like a yoga oh, flow. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wake
0: that. up and, I'm, I, and I'm, I'm wide awake and I'm just like, okay, wow, I feel really good. Mm. Obviously, I manage that with um, eating well. So I, I limit the amount of wheat I eat, the amount of dairy i drink the amount of uh, meat i eat um uh yeah and i just a lot of water minimal ca- minimal caffeine loads of fresh air and sunlight as well i try to stand outside for at least 20 minutes just yeah. cook me
1: <laughs> take me now son burn me yeah make me a prawn
0: <laughs> absolutely um, so yeah, um, I'm 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 no I'm no you know health guru or anything. Yes, I do teach health. I just know what works for me. Mm-hmm. I know how I feel when I do certain things. I know how I feel when I don't do certain things, mm-hmm. and I just try and do what makes me feel good. So,
1: hundred mm-hmm. percent, man. I wanted to share a, a truth with you. Actually, last time we talked, so it's really interesting that we're kind of talking about this now uh, because last time we talked, I did exactly that. I had had a massive week. And I slept through my alarms and I woke up around nine and I think we'd we'd scheduled for 10. And I don't know if you've noticed, but like my energy today versus what my energy was when we first talked is vastly different because this morning I woke up at 6am, I did all my wow. shit, I got my exercise in, I was feeling good. But last time we talked, I was just like, ah, just like a fucking zombie, bro. So it's, it's so true. And like you say, like neither of us are health gurus. You probably know a little bit more than me since you teach health, but- it's the little things like go like smell the flowers, get some sunshine, go do a run. Like all those tiny little things like add yeah. up to a much greater feeling throughout the day.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: But bro, I, wanna, I wanted to gravitate a little bit towards teaching. I'm really interested to know how, because I consider myself somewhat of a teacher. Like I used to do outdoor education with kids who oh, cool. were sort of Sick. 14. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you did oh, that. Oh, nice. Um,
0: no, I didn't. Yes, Well, that. I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm actually a specialist in, that, in outdoor red, which I don't tell anyone.
1: Oh, no shit. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. But like, I used to, so I used to take kids, I wasn't a teacher per se, but I used to work with schools, take kids out into the bush, do hiking, kayaking, yeah. whitewater kayaking, like all the stuff that kind of builds resilience and builds yep. self awareness and this kind of attachment to nature. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I found that by teaching, I personally got a lot out of it and I personally learned more than by actually learning. You know what I mean? Like when you actually start teaching things, you learn more about yourself and you learn from others. Absolutely. How has teaching impacted you as as a person?
0: Um, How's it impact? Well, it's taught me some lessons like, uh, like when I first thought to become a teacher, I thought I had to know everything. I had to be like one page ahead of every student, and then you realise there's some students who know more about certain things than than you than you do, and it's not necessarily a bad a bad thing. Um, I learned that when that happens, you so you can just flip it and just get the person who knows more about something to just share their experience. And then when and then when kids get a chance to share, they're more open to sharing, even if it's right or wrong, and then we can have an open talk or discussion about why something could be valid or not so valid and then we can just you know um, analyze and dissect things and that's a powerful way of teaching
1: mm, mm. yeah i love that i i totally agree actually i did a podcast on a friend of mine's show a little while ago about education and that was one of the things that i'm really passionate about which i've kind of seen from my own experience in the outdoor industry is when you actually get kids to teach each other and have these yep. conversations together uh they learn about the wrongs and the rights and the barriers and the boundaries, yeah. but then it also tends to be more ingrained as opposed to like a kid sitting at a desk and just like
0: being told.
1: Yeah. Like, dude, that that I never learned that way. Like I dropped out of school when I was sixteen because I was like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm out. Uh,
0: yeah, that's very common. That's very common. And 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 nowadays, funny enough, everything in in education, not everything, the big push is now is about collaboration Mm. and people working together to find, you know, the, the, the correct answer or the common goal or working towards a common goal together. And that's just through talking about people's experiences and using everyone's strengths. So in in my last school, I I taught that they had projects where they would group like five people see together one was a talker one was a um a music person one was a graphics person one was a uh, a written like a guy who can write stuff really well and one person was a you know a good leader so they all had different traits which were pulled together on purpose to to come up with a you know it, would look, it could be like a video or a, a media presentation they had to do
1: mm-hmm. do, do you know what the then, if they got any kind of like Definitive results out of that, and in, in comparison to. What oh, massive!
0: Yeah, know? yeah, loads. Um, you can look it up yourself. It's called project-based learning or PBL. Project-based
1: learning. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes as well.
0: Yeah. So, as it says, um, the whole aim is to is to achieve a goal. So it could be. Let's. Um, I I'll I, I tell you one that we that I actually planned. Um, two, two years into my education with PBL or project based learning. Um, the project based was, um, um, what was it? It was how can we create, Oh, I I, I forgot how it started. It was, how can we produce a drink that can help people in different scenarios or something like that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the premise was like you know like um, you 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 work at a juice bar and you need to have different juices for different types of people, but from there you work backwards. So you look initially at okay uh, the different ingredients. So you have kale, but what does kale do? Banana, well, what does banana do? Or nuts, well well, what do they do? And you know strawberries, what do they do? Okay, cool. And then we look at okay. How can we pair, pair them together so, so they taste nice? Okay, well, you know, banana, and strawberry, whatever, almond milk. And then we say, okay, well, what are the different situations that people go through, or athletes especially? So they might have someone who's, who's got low levels of calcium in their body and suffering from osteoporosis. You might have someone who's trying to bulk up for bodybuilding. You might have someone who's trying to lose weight. You might have someone who's got a very pure, poor immune system. So then you can taper those ingredients to, to make different smoothies to feed to um, different clients to improve that area of health. Mm,
1: mm. I think and from that
0: we. Sorry, go on.
1: I think that's really cool. Um, like you can you can mix and match the concept however way you like, right? But I think the really cool thing that I'm hearing when you're saying that is that what you're doing is like obviously if you have five kids they're all going to have crazy different opinions, right? And the thing about kids is they're never ashamed to just tell you how they feel. They're just like, no, I think it's this, I think it's that. But what you're doing in that kind of dynamic is you're teaching them not only to cooperate, but also to accept and understand that other people have different opinions. And that's okay. Like, that's totally okay. Because I think in society now, there's there's kind of a breakdown in that, right? Like, you get people on this side just screaming at people on this side and then people in the middle aren't saying anything. And then it's just like everyone just goes, No, nah, I don't believe you. I'm canceling you out. And this person's yeah. like, No, nah, I don't yeah. believe you. I'm canceling you out. And then no one actually fixes the problem. So the cool thing yeah. about that is that you're allowing people to understand all right, like there's going to be different opinions, but the main goal here is to find a solution that is kind of win win for everyone.
0: Of course. Of course. And that's what it's all about. You know, um, you might have people who are not so good at something, but they have to kind of um, tolerate and mitigate um, what they do to kind of come up with the common goal or to achieve the common goal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, bro. Is that kind of uh, an avenue you want to explore more as a teacher yourself?
0: Um, not really. Um, I think I've, I've, I've taught it for three years and now I'm at a new school and I'm, I'm integrating it slowly into my new, my new school with some of the things that we are doing. But it's been hard with this whole pandemic as, as such because we haven't been able to do it in school. And yeah. it works when people are sitting face-to-face talking to each other. Yeah. It's harder online. Um, um, but I think the, the only thing about that, I think, or the PBL is that yes, it's very current and relevant. And when you look at most jobs nowadays, a, 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 a lot of them require people to work in teams and groups to, to you know achieve you know a report or a project or a, you know a media mm. campaign or whatever it is, mm. so it's very it's relevant but when it comes to learning very content heavy information, um, I believe that sometimes just being taught something. Is 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 probably more important. So, it's for me, it's a balance of both. Mm-hmm. So, let's say we're doing some, you know, some specialist math, and you need to learn how to understand how the cosine and the radians meet. Da, da, da It's quite heavy, and having six people arguing about something which is black and white is not going to help you. Mm-hmm. So, it needs to be taught to you, you know. Whereas something which can be a lot more conceptual, a lot more artistic, a lot more um, grey. Just let's say. Then we can have a, a discussion about it and come and come up with or agree with what is best. Mm,
1: mm. That makes total sense, bro. I think I think that's a great way to look at it. It's like uh, <laughs> there's no point arguing over the fact that one plus one equals two, but there yes. is there is a discussion to be had when it comes to you know critical thinking topics or course, anything creative, really. Yeah, um, you got to cater to both sides of the brain, I guess.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah. I think my last school was very um uh pbl they 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 modeled their whole kind of curriculum on pbl which was which was great which was fine um but personally i think it needed a bit more of a balance of both
1: mm-hmm. yeah i tend to agree with that 100 um hey how do you feel i wanted to have a little bit of a discussion about race i wanted to know how you what, feel about black it, and white race yeah, I guess. Or <laughs> fast
0: it, and slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's oh. quicker in a sprint?
1: Tiana and I are actually going to have a race today, uh, see who's faster at the 100 metres.
0: I've, I've, I've run today already, so I'm done. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow maybe.
1: Yeah, sweet, sweet. We'll have a race tomorrow. No, I, I guess I wanted to dive into the topic of race and, and racism, <laughs> if you're comfortable talking about it. Because I think it is, yeah, like, yeah. it's It's quite a hot topic at the moment, obviously, all over social media. Um, and I guess maybe, maybe let's relate it to your own life. Like as a black man growing up, did, like, what, what was it like? Did you feel there was kind of this underlying idea of racism or did, did you feel like there was certain challenges that people who aren't black wouldn't understand? Like, how was that experience for you?
0: Um, honestly, not really. Mm. I felt I've experienced more direct racism here in Australia. Interesting. In the UK, uh, because where I grew up was very multicultural. Anyway, mm. um, everyone was that? used to black in Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, which yeah. is yeah, which is uh, down south. Which is like on the border of Lambeth, um, Southwark, Croydon, and Bromley, I think. Um, so where I was, it was very multicultural. So there was black people and there was white people and there was Chinese and there was Indian and there was Jews and, you know, there was Arabs and everything. So there wasn't much racism, I would say direct racism towards me. Mm-hmm. So did I experience any? I don't know. Cause maybe because I was, a uh, because I was in, in it and I was used to it when someone was being racist to me, I probably, probably didn't even realize because I was so used to it just being how it was. Um, but since coming to Australia, I've noticed a lot more direct racism. Mm. Um, In what way? Well, 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 one conversation I had was... Um, we was talking about the Olympics, mm. I think, and I was like, um, what was it, AFL? I think it's AFL. And I think I was going to AFL, I was like, I love AFL, it's a great game, it's so pure, you kick, you catch, you run... Um, tackles or whatever, but I said I don't like it because there's too many injuries, like knees, knees and shoulders and concussions, and nice. and the guy was like, "Well, if you don't like it, go back to where you come from." I was like, "What?" And this was coming from a white guy, and I was like, "Actually, you're not from here anyway. Are you indigenous?" <laughs> he went, "No." I was like, "Well, you're not from here anyway." I was like, "Okay, this conversation's over."
1: Yeah. Wow. Do you <laughs> yeah. That's deep. Do you think some of that in Australia is because you mentioned you grew up in a place which was kind of like a melting pot of loads of different cultures. And I think like I had the privilege, my brother and I, when we were kids, like we grew up all over the world, like Mozambique, South Africa, South Africa yeah. had many problems with races. as you probably know. Um, we also grew up in Portugal, Spain, and like I've traveled a bunch. So I feel like, like I kind of know different people. So I, I understand a bit more about culture than someone, say, who's lived their entire life in Australia, which is maybe they've lived their entire life in Queensland, for example, which is like yeah. predominantly white Australian. Do you think that kind of feeds an ignorance of people? And it's not so much that they're trying, like trying deliberately to be an <laughs> asshole. They're just like completely ignorant to the idea that they might be being racist. Or do you think it's it's worse than that?
0: I think it is just ignorance, you know, and, and, you know, there's a saying you can't be what you can't see. And um, if you don't go anywhere different, you're only going to know what you know. Mm. So you're a product of your surroundings. So if you increase the size of your environment, then you will be a more rounded person. So I know some people have never left Australia, for example, and they're like, "Ah." why would you go there? It stinks. I'm like, well, how do you know? You've never been there. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, I've, just, I've seen on TV, you know, oh, I've seen on whatever Fox news or I was like, yeah. unless you go, you don't know. Yes. You have a, a prejudgment, a prejudice from what you've seen on TV, but unless you know, unless you go, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I've been to South Africa and everyone's like, Oh, were you attacked? Was it dangerous? I was like, no like i'm not i'm not saying it's not dangerous but in my experience when i went there it was fine yes yeah. i've heard about the hrv and the carjackings and the shootings and all that kind of stuff but from being there for over a week i experienced none of that whatsoever
1: mm, mm, mm. yeah 100% agree man i guess on the on the topic of prejudice as well i think one of the other things i notice is like really ignorant people whether they're trying to be ignorant or they just they just have no idea they get really offended when you call them out on something that is prejudice. Like they almost feel like they're not prejudiced, right? Like I'm not prejudiced. I'm not racist. But in, in reality, all of us are prejudiced. Like all of us, like no matter what we try and do, like we're going to be prejudiced in some way. And I think a lot of the times the ability to be like, Oh, okay. Like shit. Like I actually don't know about this topic or I actually don't understand this. I've been a little bit prejudiced right now is incredibly powerful because then you open yourself up to learning about something that you don't understand. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah. Um, and you're right. You know, a lot, a lot of people believe that they are right, which is what most people do. You know, like you, if, if you say something, then you wholeheartedly believe that you are correct. And, and to, and to hear someone say you are wrong, um, doesn't sit well with a lot of people. Um, so when I approach that, I I kind of say, okay, well, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. I say, well, I, well, why do you think, you know, blacks are this or whites are this or this is this or that is that? I was like, well, why do you think that? And I try and understand why they think that way, mm-hmm. and then once you once you unpick why they think that way, then you can kind of almost sometimes agree with them because you be like, oh, actually, I I didn't. Th- think of it like that or 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 then I might say okay have you thought about it like this or from my experience I've seen it like this so then that's coming back to the understanding or the or, or the or the concept we spoke about before about um having two sides at each other but if you kind of find the common ground and just talk about it and share your experiences then you say, like, oh actually oh, I, I didn't think of it like that or oh I will consider that next time I say something mm-hmm. and I've, I've had people call me darky or blacky and, and I'm like, I'm like, personally, I don't care if you call me a monkey, you know why? Cause I'm not a monkey. If you call me, you know, uh, a giraffe. I'm not a giraffe. So right now, if you call me something that I'm not technically you're lying. So I don't care. Mm-hmm. I see it as it's a lies, but I would say, if you go somewhere else and say that to someone, expect for them to not take it as well as I am and start a fight with you. And mm. the reason why is because that is seen as a racial stereotype or racially derogatory. And a lot of people are very angry about being called that from the last 100 years. So if you do say that to someone, be prepared to be punched. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> i will put, put it as simple as that. So I try and educate them about, you know, why it's not so good to say something. In a calm manner, it takes a lot to get me angry. Um, but you know, if they would have called me a, 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 a darkie, I'm like, well, i would rather you didn't, and this is the reasons why. But yeah, mm, that's what it is.
1: Yeah, I think that's incredible, mature, of, incredibly mature of you, Teon, to be able to do that. And I can imagine, and I know from experience that most people would take serious offence to to some of those terms that you used before. And I guess, like what you said about the why, um, asking people why—that's so powerful, bro. And I, I feel like, yeah, like you said, this need to be right all the time is kind of getting in the way of of understanding each other. Like, if you were to approach it like you just said there, like if someone said something that completely went against everything I believed in, by asking why, I might actually be able to correct myself on a lot of wrongs that I've believed for so long. But of course, also at of the same also, at the same time, I might be able to be like, oh, so that's why you believe this, due to this and this and this. Hey, have you ever thought about this and this and this? And then you're having a discussion and not just a yelling match.
0: Yeah, of course, you know, and and if you ask that question why, and listen and empathize, then you'd be like, okay, well, if I was in your situation, I would feel exactly as you do. Mm. You know, for example, this whole, you know, Black Lives Matter things, a lot of people who are not black are like, okay, if if I saw black people being shot for no reason or killed in front of people for no reason, I would be as angry as you are. Mm. And they're trying to, you know, so they're understanding the why, you know? Mm. Mm.
1: That's, that's really powerful, bro. Because once you understand the reason behind the anger and the reason behind someone's emotional reaction to something, then you can actually start coming up with solutions, right? You can actually start diving into the real problem, which, you know, like, the situation happening over in America right now is a perfect example of that because for a lot of those people, this is probably just the, the breaking point. It's probably been an issue for a really long time, right? Like there's probably issues with like, they don't have enough money to live a life that's, you know, as good as, as people they see in other communities, or they've been kind of left out of an education system for so long that this little, like, I guess spark has ignited an anger that's been brewing for so long.
0: Absolutely. You know, and, um, a lot, a lot of people I've seen, um, I haven't spoken to anyone. I was spoken to maybe one person in America mm. for them. It's just like, um, enough is enough. They can't take it anymore. You know, they've tried to, they've tried to say, okay, police made a mistake. Police made a mistake. But how, how, how many mistakes can the police make? especially as we're paying the police to make those mistakes Mm. and then they, and you know, and all these deaths and murders, let's let's put them as a, you know, let's say as it is, the murders are being covered up by the police as if, as if, as if nothing has happened. Mm, mm,
1: mm. Yeah. I can, I can understand where the anger is coming from. Right. And it it would be so good if, if more people were able to have these kind of conversations, right. And understand more about a situation, and then maybe the right solutions can be made instead of just reactions all the time, just react, react, react. Like, what's that going to achieve, you know? Like, the the more reaction you have and the less proactive action you take, like, the worse the problem's going to get, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's no wrong or right. It's just we need to work together to make everyone feel better and Hmm. safe Hmm. and give everyone an an opportunity to, you know, to reach their, their full potential,
1: well, let's hope uh, our conversation probably won't change the minds of politicians and bigwigs in America, but let's hope uh, more conversations like this happen. You know, like Joe Rogan's a good example, like podcasts that are, are that big and they have these in-depth conversations. Like I heard one with Tim Ferriss and Jamie Foxx the other day, which was okay. like really powerful. And like, I don't know if you follow a lot of Jamie Foxx stuff, but I think as a human being, like he's a really quite an incredible person.
0: Jamie Foxx is like my hero, man.
1: Yeah, bro. I, I really—he's like my him. hero. because
0: yeah. he can act, he can sing, he's yeah. funny, he's charismatic. He reminds me of my dad as well, mm. so much. Um, he's super
1: intelligent too. Like when hearing yeah, him talk to Tim Ferris, I was like, "Fuck, dude! Like you're like so much more intelligent than I've given you credit for." Like obviously, I knew he was intelligent, but like hearing him discuss really deep topics, I'm like, "Whoa,
0: okay." <laughs> yeah, when is—is is this a new thing, like the Tim Ferris thing, or is it quite old? Or
1: it's it's his newest episode, actually. Check it out. Oh, well, I'll send it I'll send well, On it to you.
0: On, on, um, was it Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan?
1: Tim Ferriss, show, Not Joe Rogan. Okay. Tim right, yeah, yeah. Check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, check it out, bro. It's really good. But one of the things, I guess, to kind of gravitate to the musical side of things, one of the things Jamie Foxx was saying is, like, obviously he grew up on the tail end of a very um, divided America and there was still a lot of the... South and... Yeah, the South and the North. And there was that, you know, like people were using, you know, the N-words and yep, white yep. people didn't, didn't want black people in their communities and there was still segregation. And so he grew up in this time. And what his grandma instilled in, in him, she sounds amazing. Apparently she was at his parties. We need to have like all these big wigs around and she'd be popping yeah. bottles of champagne and she was 80 years old. Sounds like a legend. But um, he was saying like what she instilled in him is, you know, Music is something that regardless of your color, of your culture, of your language, of where you're from, will bring people together. And he used an example of when he went around to this uh, white folks place for Christmas. And at that time, a lot of young black musicians were hired because they didn't have to pay them as much. And also black music was like amazing at that time, right? Like yeah. all the rhythm and the jazz and yeah. white people really liked listening to it, even though they didn't like black people at the time, which was <laughs> yeah. Weird.
0: It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, crazy. <laughs> How does oh. that work? But this makes it, sense. Yeah. I like Chinese food, but I don't like Chinese people. Like,
1: bro, that's an example that's actually one? playing out right now. Hundred percent. you
0: have one without the other? You know. <laughs> anyway, whatever.
1: But what he, what he was saying in the story is like he went round and he went round with a friend of theirs, and the the white family that answered the door said, "Oh, only you allowed. We don't want two nigger." in the house, um, which was like, I heard that. I was like, geez, how did you not react to that? And he just, he took it on the chin. He walked in there and they asked him to play music and they were treating him like shit, treating him like shit. And then he just started playing and all these white people just melted. And at that moment, what he said is they realized that I was a human being, that I was just like them. And they just deeply connected with him. And he changed their minds at like 14, 13 years old by playing this amazing music. How, what, what's your kind of reaction to that? Is, is, has music been something like that for you?
0: Um, not to the same extent, uh, but yes, I've used it to bring people together. I never had it where someone's calling me an N-word or, or whatever, but mm. I've played all over the world, Brazil, um, New York, um, Ibiza, my Bay my Greece, Cyprus, whatever played around the world. And when you play good music and the energy you get from people and you look out, and there's like a black and a Brown and a white and a gray and a yellow and a purple and a you know, they, tall, short, they, black, white, everything. If they're gray, they've obviously old, taken,
1: they've, they've obviously taken too many pingers if they're gray,
0: mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're right. And music has that ability to bring people together and yeah. under one under one roof, you know. Like, like the one of the reasons why I play house music mm. is not well the one well, the obviously it's because I, I I like it, but um I I speak to my sister, um, I was speaking to my sister like years ago when I started getting into it, and she was like, Do you know that house is kind of like church music? I was like, Well, what do you mean? She, she goes, well, the energy you find in the house is, is, is or, or they use the term house to mean the church. I'm mm. like, okay. She goes, well, in some songs, they actually quote verses like John 16 says that, give all your thanks to God. And if you listen back to the older house songs, you hear a lot of biblical and church um, references in there. Uh, True that. So, yeah. And I was like, oh. I like, light bulb moment.
1: Yeah, actually... Uh, it's funny you say that because I remember when I used to work at the Emerson on the Sundays, the gay guys would come in and they'd be like, oh, we're going to church, we're going to church because it's all house music. And I didn't really yeah, make the yeah. connection then. And now you say yeah. It, yeah, like a lot of house music, they do use like a lot of like almost like preachers talking in the background. Yeah, of course,
0: yeah. of course. And even if you think, um, you know, when they say, have your hands in the air, that's a, that's a church reference to praise him, to feel his love. Yeah, right. That's why they say, have your hands up. Yeah, right. Because in Eight. the church, if you see like in Sister Act, they have their hands up. No? <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's that's, why, that's where it comes from. Yeah, 100%. You like church music, people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Listen to
0: more house music if you're religious. Listen to my house music. Yeah. Take it to church.
1: Yeah, actually, because you you host your own uh, radio show, which my brother I went on a little while ago. Gee, he let's killed talk it, about man. He killed it. He killed it.
0: Shout out he to He was so good. He was so good. I didn't want to stop for the ad break, but I was like, I have to stop for the ad breaks. It's part of my, my, um, my things I have to do, you know, my requirements to maintain the show. Uh, I have to stop and he was like, you're right. I was like, yeah, cool, ad break, come back again. Played it and killed it. And after my face was like sending messages (laughs) on Instagram and Mixcloud and Facebook, just loving him like, yeah, the the energy, the mood. And he just nailed it. He just nailed it. But I knew he would anyway. But to be honest, I didn't know he would to that extent.
1: Yeah, well done, Paolo. I hope killed you're listening it. to this. Killed it. Yeah,
0: Absolutely killed it. I'm so proud of him. And Shout out to Paolo.
1: <laughs> I'll, um, I'll make sure he listens to this one. Uh, but about the about the radio show, like for you personally, is that something like you really enjoy? Do you get, do you get paid for that? Like I, I don't actually know.
0: I don't get paid for it, no. Um, no. I use it as a platform to self-promote myself. Mm-hmm. I use it as a platform to hear new music. Mm. um i use it as a reason to keep on top of music because obviously there's new music coming out every week and as a dj it's important that you are aware of the music that's coming out having a radio show makes you listen to new music if not i would listen to music for you know a month at a time i'd be like oh i haven't got i've had no reason to download music i've got music you know mm-hmm. um but it's kind of like a push like a nudge to kind of like get some more music. <laughs> um, I also use it to kind of, uh, to celebrate friends of mine who are so talented, but don't have the, what's the word?
1: The platforms, I
0: guess. It, uh, maybe the get up and go to kind of go and push themselves to promote themselves. Mm, so mm. as a friend, I'm not like, say, come on, come do a mix. You don't have to talk. I'm going to ask you your name and, where you're from and then you can just mix and then I'll just p- promote you that way. So, mm. and, and if people want to have a conversation, they can have a chat and we can, you know, have a chat about life and music and how, how they got into it. But um, it's just my way to kind of promote people and music that I really um, think is really good. Mm. I really appreciate. Mm. So I know there's some amazing DJs out there who are very quiet. They play great sets, but I don't say much. I don't really, Per, uh, promote themselves online. Mm. Um, they don't have a website. They don't have a, like a Facebook page. I'm like the people need to hear you play. So, so I'll get them on. I'll get, I get I allow them to play an hour and I give them a copy of the mix, and then they can do whatever they want with it. And at least I've done my bit to get their music out because it's because I really mm. appreciate it. Mm.
1: Mm. I think that's really cool what you're doing. I think creatives just in general where they're musicians or something something else tends to like keep their stuff pretty hidden, right? Like there's always that that kind of shyness amongst creators where they feel like, oh like what if people hate my my staff or or what if what if I'm not yeah, exactly as good right. as 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 people exactly say. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's exactly right. And and you find that um no disrespect to DJs or anything like that, but you find that um the really good ones you don't really hear about. And the ones that are really well known, they're not as good as some of the little unknown organic DJs who've been playing in the basement for like, you know, 25 years. They can mix on vinyl and play amazing music. Mm. And they're playing all these songs that you have never heard before. Mm. You've mm. never heard before.
1: Mm. And
0: and the people who are trying to get to play play music that you would have never heard before. But it's so I'm like, oh my God, who's this? Where's this from? This is an art. Oh, what? What? <laughs> those are the DJs I love because they because they they broadened my horizon to music as well
1: yeah right who are some of those DJs to you actually I can pop them in the show notes uh,
0: too okay DJs who I really respect people like Hoops Hoops from Melbourne Hoops he's from Melbourne his music's really good people like um, creatively people like Adam Trace Adam he Trace he like scratches he scratches house music and if you ask me a question about house music, he'll just jump into a wormhole and take you somewhere around the world. You're <laughs> like, whoa, I never knew where this song came from. Um,
1: there's
0: people like um, DJ Rufio. Rufio. He's an he's a R&B DJ, yeah. Mm. Um, for me personally, with him, I love the way he loves and he dances to every song. And I find that very infectious. Mm. Like he's really living in the moment and loving the music. Mm, so they're just mm. like three of my favorites in melbourne anyway
1: yeah awesome i'll make sure i put those in the show notes actually just recently uh i think the episode will come out after you, but you do you know jamie val
0: yes jamie val yeah.
1: yeah yeah so i just had a, a i recently did a podcast with him it was on a totally different topic actually ocd and anxiety but we talked a little bit about music and uh his two picks were rufus and this other guy it was like some german guy but like the way the way he it's 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 cool to hear like two musicians slash DJs with slightly like different picks but still the same kind of feeling which is like for him it was he picked those people because he could feel they were like they were really putting their emotion and they were storytelling while they were yeah. playing music and yeah. you can tell that with a really good artist in my limited opinion on music the really good ones are the ones that you can feel their emotion and the energy. And there's like a story behind it, as opposed to like, like you're saying the ones that tend to be really big, there's no real story. It's just like a catchy tune or they might be really good at marketing themselves. Would you kind of agree with that?
0: Um, Yes and no, um, you know, obviously b- b- with those people who market themselves really well, you know, the all can mix all good DJs. They tell their own story. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably don't um, align myself with their story as much. Um, I like a bit more like, you know, I, you know I grew up, well, I first started to DJ um, soul and R&B, mm-hmm. like back in the late 80s, like Soul For Real and Horace Brown and mm-hmm. people like, who would you who would remember? Um, Montel Jordan and all that kind of. This is how we do, it. and like, yeah. <laughs> all that kind of like funky stuff, oh, like yeah. almost like from the Fresh Prince of, of Bel Air So that kind of yeah, like, yeah. like new Jack Swing kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like that kind of that souly kind of rhythm, that souly kind of groove, those yeah. kind of solely kind of riffs those are the riffs and sounds that get me going so mm. for somebody guess, who d- didn't grow up with that you know they probably align themselves with a lot more of a harder groove or harder sound mm. that's what they grew up with I guess the thing
1: that really sets um sets like the the amazing musicians apart from uh like not to say like other musicians like you say other musicians and DJs who have done more marketing themselves they're still amazing and they can do stuff that I could never even <laughs> hope to do but the ones that like, yeah, like I say, like there's, like you are doing then, like, I just wanted to dance, even though I've got terrible dance moves, you know, like I felt it, you know, like it's,
0: Uh, ah, yeah.
1: (laughs) And you can see that. You can see that, right? Like Avicii's an example (laughs) that I would, I would reference. Like when you look at his documentary, like how he was so in the music, like so much so that reality almost disappeared for him. Yeah. And, I don't know, actually, I listened to another podcast a while back now with Andre 3000. And oh, he, yeah. like, he's incredible, right? And he was talking about how, for him, he would get so engrossed in the music that he would just completely disconnect from reality. And it almost became a problem for him. Like, he was severely depressed when he wasn't playing music, when he wasn't creating sound. He just he just couldn't connect with reality. So I guess that's the dark side of it, right, Is, A lot of these incredibly talented musicians, um, if they're not doing that side of themselves, if they're not being that creative, they almost can't connect with reality. Have you kind of encountered that as a DJ yourself?
0: Um, In life, I have, most definitely. You find that uh, people who are really good at something are normally very anal and very obsessive. They got OCD, like, you know, the Michael Jordans of the world, you know, the um, the Cristiano Ronaldo's, you know, they wake up and train it. They train all day, they go training, then come home and train, you know, mm-hmm. they just live it and breathe it, which is fantastic, you know, each to their own. I don't like to personally do that. Um, mm-hmm. Hence, why I'm not as a big DJ or a big, a big soccer player, I like a bit more balance in my life because mm-hmm. um, I feel that makes me more rounded. Mm, personally mm. but you know each to their own as i said there's no right or wrong there's just different ways of doing it mm, um mm. so yeah you do find that creatives and people who are very good at something they live and breathe that one thing day in and day out you know they mm. they they dedicate their their life and their soul and their time and their money and their energy into it becoming as best as they as they can be and being the best mm. um so so when they are not doing that it's almost like okay well what do i do now with my time that I didn't have when I'm used to just doing everything all the time Mm, and mm. and when and when you realize you know okay well okay let's speak to someone oh I don't really have many friends because all my friends don't talk to me because I'm normally too busy to talk to them in the first place so you know (laughs) yeah that's what happens yeah so unless you have a friend who does what you do um but then if you're talking to someone who does what you do you're normally going to talk about what you're doing anyway then you're probably going to be working anyway so you know yeah, it's an yeah. interesting one. Yeah, that
1: is right. I think we talked about this a little bit last time we chatted. And I guess another one, I'd another example would be someone like Phelps, for example, you know, like incredible athlete and probably has motivated and inspired so many people to, you know, pursue their own strengths. But his story is, is another one like your Michael Jordans and um, your Andre 3000s where when he stopped doing – the one thing he knew how to do really, really fucking well, he fell into a deep fucking hole of depression, right? Because, and he's talked openly about this. It's incredible that he has, because like you say, his his whole identity was attached to being the greatest Olympian swimmer at the greatest Olympian of all time. And so when that ended, he was like, shit, who am I? Like, what makes me me if I'm not swimming, if I'm not winning gold medals, which like I can't do for the rest of my life who am I? So what you brought up then about balance, I mean, like you said, like, I think it's important to have those people, but it's also like being one of those people is like, it brings its own set of challenges, right? Cause like, course, you, you're going to have to face that. You're going to have to face that depression, that darkness.
0: Of course. But you know, that's, that's one of the things that you need to do to become the best that, you know, the best there ever was, or there ever will be, you know, mm-hmm. that level of, of sacrifice and dedication, so if it's, if, if it's tennis, you might start playing tennis at the age of six, training twice a day for, you know, until the age of 36. It's a 30-year career in, in tennis. But mm-hmm. to get to the heights, you know, the very, very top, that is a level of, of dedication that you need. The, the only problem is, and we spoke about this in the last pod, podcast, is that um, if you have a bad day doing that one thing that you spend your whole life doing or put your, t- your whole time and energy in doing – you're going to have a bad day in life. Mm. But if you have other things, other baskets, um, other things that you divert your energy to, or you share your energy with, if you have a bad day in say your tennis, but you play the violin on the weekends or the violin on your spare time, then you can go play the violin and, you know, you know, uh, get some kind of um, happiness from playing your, your violin. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you're, so you can share your energy, share your interests. Um, but yeah, I think it's very important. Well, for me, it's important to have, you know, different things that you do. So if one's not going very well, then you can divert your attention to other things to kind of bring you joy and happiness mm-hmm. and, and lift your mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can go back and work on your thing once you clear your head by doing something else.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really important for people who who might be listening to this podcast or um, I guess any other podcast or, or any other discussion about being su- successful is to realize that there is inherent sacrifices that come with being this incredibly successful person. And, yeah. you know, like Kanye West gets fucking sad, you know, like, uh, Phelps gets fucking sad. Michael Jordan gets fucking sad. Tiger Woods, sad. JK Rowling, sad. Like all these people who, like we see as just being ultra successful. Like, sure, they they might be doing amazing in this one area. And when they're doing that and when they're feeling that, like they're so, they're the happiest person in the world. But there's sacrifice that comes with that. And it comes in the form of like some pretty deep suffering, right? To achieve anything, you need to experience the opposite. Side of the spectrum, right? So, all yin, yin and yang. If if you're going to be like really successful, you got to be prepared to deal with the, the really tough times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's yeah. I don't. I don't. I I honestly don't know how they do it. Um mm. Obviously, sacrifice and will. Mm. Um, but you, you know, you need to think about it as well. Like, if you become really good at something, life changes for you as well. So, if you can imagine Michael Jordan walking down Times Square in New York, he's going to get mobbed. He probably could never do that ever, Mm. ever. Mm. Like as a mere mortal, he can't do that. You know, Mm. is it something that he he would want to do? Who knows? But, you know, going to, you know, the supermarket and buying some bread, he probably could never do that. He just Mm. gets mobbed. Yeah,
1: right. So, uh,
0: however, financially, he probably, his kids and his kids' kids and his kids' kids' kids kids will never have to work again. Mm. Um, he set himself and his family up for life. He's he's still making loads of money. Um, he's still recognised around the world. He probably doesn't pay for a thing, um, but again, it's you know, there's pros and cons to everything. You know, I guess depends it depends if you're willing to to sacrifice all that. You know,
1: mm. I guess it comes down to what you were talking about before um, when we were talking about race and and racism and 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 that kind of topic was uh, like that idea of asking why. I mean, it can translate to almost all areas of your life, right? Like if you actually sit there and ask yourself, why do I want to do this? Why do I want to achieve this? Why do I want to be this person? You might find you're like, actually, well, I don't want to sacrifice going to the supermarket and buying bread without being mobbed in order to be the greatest basketball of all time. You know, like it's so important in every aspect of your life to be asking why all the time, like, why am I being like this? Why am I doing this?
0: Yeah, I think I think with things like that, people, sportingly and musically, they want to be the best. And once they are the best for a period of time, then it's like, now what? Mm. <laughs> now what? You know, now now what do you do? You know, yeah. I've been the best for ten years. You know, like um, I've met Hussein Bolt a few times, and he's always said, you know, I want I want it to be the greatest. Okay, you're you're the greatest track athlete, sprinter of all time ever. You know. Now what? I mean, he's happy doing his things, whatever. But, you know, he can't just walk down the street. When he comes to Australia, he's mobbed everywhere he goes. Mm -hmm. Um, But things like the mobbing of the supermarket and everywhere he goes, he gets, you know, photographed and stuff. That's probably something he didn't really factor into what he was doing. It's kind of like secondary to his fame Mm -hmm. um, and and, and his success.
1: True that. He probably just started off as as a kid thinking like, how can I? Because I don't know his full story, but I'm assuming you know he didn't come from great wealth. He he probably started doing what he was doing as a way of like, oh okay, like I might be able to do this to support my family, or I may I might be able to do this as a career uh, instead of doing what you know other people. And you're talking about Hussein Bolt before yeah? yeah, and you for yeah, yeah. So instead of what other people, like there's a lot of poverty in Jamaica, right? Like maybe he saw what other people were doing and going, well, this might be my way out. And I guess that comes down to that, um, that realization that as much as you sit down and you ask yourself why, and you plan things out and you try and understand yourself, there's always going to be mistakes that get made. And there's always going to be things that you just never expect come and smack you in the face in life. And you just gotta, you just gotta be prepared that like, you can't plan for everything. And you, you just got to try and do the best you can with the tools you have. Right.
0: Absolutely. You know, life is all, is all about that is making the most of, of, of what you have and trying to have like, for me personally, I like to set small goals for myself. Mm. Um, so I have a daily goal of trying to get, uh, I say, I say, you say to my partner, all right, I'm getting shit done today. So i make a list, you know, like email this person or uh, send a deposit for this or, you know, find a conveyance or whatever it is, you know, just get it done. Okay. It's done. You know, I've been productive today. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about yourself? Do you do stuff like that? You make set yourself goals?
1: Yeah. So goals are an interesting one because I think goal goals are great. If you use them as like markers, right. But I've, I think a lot of people set like they set goals with the idea that if they achieve a goal, it will make them happier. Uh, and what I mean by this, I'm not meaning like daily goals, right? I'm meaning like long-term goals. Like let's say, for example, I'm studying to become a lawyer and I set a 10 year goal that I'm going to become partner of a law firm and be earning, I don't know, a few hundred thousand dollars a year. The problem with goals like that is like, why, why are you setting that goal? Is it is it because you think that by reaching that goal you're going to be happy and satisfied? If that's the real goal that by doing that you're going to be happy and fulfilled and satisfied, why don't you just do that now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like people, be
0: happy and satisfied. Yeah,
1: yeah. Be happy, satisfied, fulfilled. Like, what makes you feel that way now? Like, sure, work towards that goal, but is working towards a goal that might make you happy in ten years worth sacrificing ten years of maybe not being so happy? And I see this happen to a lot of people like it's happened to a lot of friends of mine. And you see these people who spend like their the entirety of maybe their twenties working towards something and then they'll get to 30 and they'll be like, fuck, like, where did my twenties go? Like, why did I do this? Like, I actually don't even enjoy this anymore. You know what I mean? So, so goals is a tricky one. I think, I think when you're, when you're listing out goals and I'm talking like these bigger goals, you've got to kind of understand like why you're actually putting this goal together. Like, what is it? What is the feeling? What is the emotion? What is the fulfillment you're hoping to gain out of this goal? And if it, if it does, if there isn't a fulfillment of happiness and, and, and joy and um, like, w- why are you doing it? What's the point? Just, just don't do it. Maybe come up with a different goal, right? What do you think?
0: Oh, that's a deep question, isn't it? Well, it goes back to, well, it goes back to what makes you happy, isn't it? Like, yeah you know it make it you know to to you know is having a coffee and going for a walk every day going to make you happy for some people yes it is mm. but is that something that's going to make you happy every day that's another question i can't answer that question and then it comes to a point where okay i need to i need to like some people say okay well if i have a nice car and have a nice house and live in a nice area that's going to make me happy so okay what is the means to get in to the things that are going to make me happy. Who knows? Mm. Um, that's such a deep question. That's for me, a... for, see, for me personally, I try and always do things that make me happy. If not, I'm just like, well, why am I doing it? Mm. You know. Mm. Mm. So it could be. Um, uh, let's go to this place for for a weekend. Ba- a weekend weekend v- vacation oh i'll I give you an example my partner loves going to a, a winery i'm like okay I, I don't like going to wineries for one day because i don't see the point because someone's got to drive so i can't, I can't you know so it's, i
1: can't two, drink it's hour man. Drive.
0: yeah it's a, it's a, it's a two-hour drive it's an hour drive there you can go they're gonna have one and a half glasses of wine then someone's got to drive back says so and you know you go in there for dinner and a glass of wine i don't see the point in that but it makes her happy so making her happy if she's happy she's gonna be nicer to me mm. it's making me happy cool um however if i had the choice to go i wouldn't go because going to winery is not going to make me happy directly that makes no sense to me mm. for those reasons so it just depends on how you how you get your happiness is it directly or indirect Happy wife, easy life, they say.
1: (laughs) True that. I can't attest to that yet, but when I eventually get married, I'm I'm sure I'll understand what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) I'm not married yet.
1: Oh, I didn't realise you were married. Not yet, not
0: yet. Are you going to get married? Who knows? Who knows? It's a bit of paper, really, isn't it? I think it would be nice. I think it will be nice. But I think if I get married, I spoke to my partner about it, it's going to be very... Uh, untraditional or not traditional. It's going to be a party, literally a party. It's going to be obviously a ceremony, first dance, and then it's going to have a like of like DJs and music and dancing and loads of food and like a buffet. It's going to be no kind of sit down three course meal for two hundred bucks a head. Hell no! It's going, be, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be. But it's going to be like they're going the head see the rum, the vodka, the champagne, the wine. Help yourself, free pouring, go get a drink, kids dancing. There's going to be food being brought out every couple of hours, you know. It's yeah, so yeah. nice, you know, like some Caribbean food and some, you know, some, you know, you know whatever, whatever. Just, just very, very open. Yeah. It's going to be more like a house party, but dressed up as opposed yeah. to a wedding, very formal.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that. As, so you said Car- Caribbean. Is that your background, Caribbean?
0: I'm Caribbean, yes. Yeah,
1: no shit. Whereabouts?
0: So my father's from St. Vincent, and my mother's family's from Jamaica.
1: Yeah, wow, dude, that's awesome.
0: Half Jamaican, half Cuban.
1: Right, so you, realistically, you could probably uh, have a race with Usain Bolt, right? It's like, it's that genetic, that Jamaican (gasps)
0: thing. Personally, no. Um, I'm overweight at the moment, believe it or not. (laughs) I can only see the top Uh, (laughs) half. I know. Um, But I I used to be fast, and I just stopped. Mm. That's got lazy, I think. I'm very flat-footed. I think that's my problem. Mm. Mm. Is it like, it
1: must, it must be like some sort of genetic aspect to it, right? Because like so many amazing sprinters come out of Jamaica. Like, do you think it's just yeah. the genetic side of things or do you think it's like a cultural thing as well?
0: Um, both. Mm. Like in Kenya. Uh, so in Kenya and True. Ethiopia, uh, they're a high, high, high altitude, mm. which is the geography. Mm. plus they have to travel long distances to get anywhere so they run so they're mm. training by going to school they're training by going to the shops they're mm. training by going to church whatever it is mm. um, in Jamaica um, uh, being black well being from well most most people in Jamaica and the Caribbean come from like the uh, West Africa like the Ivory Coast mm. Mm. Nigeria Ghana mm. and they naturally have high levels of fast switch fibers
1: that's it right, yeah
0: Um, so when they have their offspring they have fast twitch fibers plus again they have to I think in some areas have to run quite a lot to get to places Mm. but they go it's not as fast and they go faster Mm. so because of the culture and the environment they're used to running a lot which is their Mm. training Uh, so yeah they get get used to sprinting
1: yeah I guess it's a combination of the two right like there is that genetic element and then there's also that cultural that environmental like you're talking about there
0: um yeah. plus plus you find that before jamaica was so good it was america
1: mm, but
0: a lot of the um slaves went from africa to america mm, as well mm, plus they worked on the plantations picking cotton and making rail lines mm, so they got physically bigger and stronger as well
1: yeah true so the genetics got en- enhanced almost by enhanced, the yeah, situation yeah. as bad well, as that situation anyway, was yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so they're training and they're getting bigger, and, mus- and, and muscly. They're eating lean foods, raw foods. Yeah, yeah. Plus, they would eat a lot of um, uh, a lot of offcuts. Mm. Uh, so they had to cook food for a very long time. Hence, why uh, America or the Black American has that type of food because mm. the, they they wasn't given the best of the food. Mm. So they had to get like the offcuts and stew it down mm. for a very long periods of time to make it tender and, and palatable.
1: Yeah, actually I remember having food when I was in New Orleans and just being like yes. this is amazing because like they were like you say like they had to figure out ways to make it taste good because they got yes. literally the the shit end of the stick when it came to yes. the offcuts and all that. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. And then they cook it for like 6 hours of loads of seasonings in big pots.
1: Yeah. Man, I, I had a crazy fucking time in New Orleans, bro. Like, I, like I, I don't think I remember about 70% of my time there because... Wow.
0: Dude, rum? Was, this rum? Dude, Ruben, rum. Ruben.
1: Rum. cocaine. I met, I met this, this guy there and no shit. He saved his number on my phone as Batman. And he was calling me Robin the whole time I was in New Orleans. And he was just feeding me cocaine. I was just like 19, 20-year-old kid in New Orleans on Bourbon Street, just going absolutely ham. This is why I just have no memory, basically, of the place. It was, I was there for three days. I think I remember maybe half a day.
0: <laughs> wow. wow. Anyway, and was it was was there was there a lot of poverty there?
1: Definitely. Yeah, it was. It was still pretty soon after uh, the the hurricane went through. Yeah, um, and you could see the damage, and you could see the effect that had, predominantly on the black community um because like a lot of the a lot of the projects and a lot of the um i guess what what is commonly referred to as like the hood right like the, the the housing areas that weren't that well looked after weren't that well policed weren't that well funded were the ones that unfortunately got the worst hit so yeah like the poverty there was was quite sad and there was certain areas you'd go to which had just been completely abandoned
0: wow
1: yeah, so it was it was pretty eye opening actually to see, and then I mean you've got the other end of the stick, like the French Quarter and then Bourbon Street, where it's like just a constant non stop party. It's just, it's this crazy vibe, right? And I guess I guess a similar one would be like you've been to Brazil, right? Like Rio, for example, you get like the amazing amazing like beaches, Copacabana, and like there's lots of wealth there, and then literally around the corner is this huge fucking favela. It's the same kind of vibe, yeah. right? In, in New Orleans, it was like you'd have this amazing wealth and all these people partying and having a good time, and then you'd go a kilometer away and it would just be like these abandoned projects, basically, and people who were living on the street because their houses were destroyed by the hurricane, and no one wanted to help them. You know,
0: yeah, it's terrible, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a shame. There's so, such inequality in such a small distance. So when I went to New York, went to New York, when I go to New York, about. Two thousand and seven, I think I went there. Oh yeah,
1: around the
0: financial um, crisis. Uh maybe just before two thousand and six, seven. Mm. My I had a friend from uni, he went to, to New York to see to dance, mm. like ballet or contemporary whatever. Mm-hmm. She has come. I was like, I was single, living on my own, had my car, and I was like, Okay. <laughs> so booked a fly and went. So good so get to New York and she was like, I'm staying in Harlem and I, I, I've heard how bad Harlem was on the news or mm. whatever or TV, whatever. So I don't Okay, cool. i go. I went to Harlem. It was cool. It was nice. Mm. However, where we stayed was, have you been to New York?
1: Yeah, I have, but I can't say I've been to Harlem.
0: All right. So basically you've got Manhattan, which is like the rich part the white part. And you literally cross the road and there's Harlem, the top of central park. So where, so where we stayed, you come out, you turn look left you can see you can see Central Park. Yeah. Now, around okay, Manhattan. Close. yeah. yeah you mm. you're literally. So around Manhattan, the taxis are what colour? Yellow. Yellow. In Harlem, they're black. Wow. that's are black. Yeah. Why? Well, dunno. Don't know. Dunno. Don't know. I was like, where are? So so we went out a few nights, we come home, and they'd be like kids who were like six, seven on the street at three in the morning. And I was like, wow. But across the road in Manhattan, it was completely different. Mm. It's like a different world, but just across the road, mm. and that's when I saw the the level of um, in, eh, the level of inequality so close. Because mm. you know that, pe- like you know how in how in the US people stay in their blocks, mm. they stay in their area. They don't really cross the mm. the boundaries as such. Mm. I was I was I was so shocked, mm. so mm. shocked. Yeah, in, that's and eye shot as well. You can see the difference, like. Just over there is like rich, rich white folk in Central Park with their dogs and the you know mm. in the you know running their bikes and running and stuff. But where we were, it was kids, kids and drug deals and and black taxis and less police. It's crazy. But mm, mm. sin- kind of- God, sorry. Uh,
1: no, I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish.
0: Yeah, and since then, I've heard that um, because of gentrification. A lot of people who go who've gone to New York can't afford to live in Manhattan, so mm. now they've moved into Harlem and they're pushing all the all of the the, the locals out further out of New York.
1: Mm, mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad reality, sure. right? And this yeah. comes back to what we were talking about before, Tion, with uh, uh, like this: if you're like, let's say you're you're a black family living in Harlem, and you're waking up and you're looking at these like super wealthy white families and these amazing places, like it's staring you right in the face. It's just a constant yeah. reminder. It's just slapping your face, slapping your face, slapping the face. Even at that point, like in 2007, when you went, it's easy for you to look back now and understand how this anger is simmering over and boiling over. Yeah, of course. It's because like, if you're constantly reminded of that every single day, like there's going to be some anger and resentment that builds up. But then on the other side of the stick, right? you have all these people living in this shelter and the problem becomes that when you live in this kind of shelter, this little bubble of your own, this little cognitive bias that you have that everything's fine and everything's okay. And life's dandy and life's amazing. You never really bother to venture out and look and see the other perspectives and understand. And this is like, for me, and I don't know, I'm going to assume for you as well. Like travel has been so amazing for me in that respect because like, You know, I consider myself incredibly privileged and incredibly lucky to have had the upbringing I had. But when I I go to places like Brazil and I see this inequality and I speak to the people who live in these communities or in Malaysia or Vietnam or in Africa or in the States, it gives you that understanding and awakens you to the opinions and the points of view of of others. Whereas if you just stay in your little bubble and your little secure space. You're never going to fully understand. And then of course, when things erupt like they are now, you're not going to be able to comprehend it. You're not going to be able to understand what the conversation should be, what the answers need to be, what the solutions
0: are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it's important that we all take time to stop and not, and not only hear, but to listen, Mm. to listen and empathize and try to work out, okay, why are they feeling this way? Why did I have this belief? And try and put yourself in their position to say, okay, if I was in their shoes, how would I feel? Mm. And, and when people do that, more often than not, they'd be like, I'll be feeling and thinking the same way that these people are.
1: Mm. 100%, bro. I think that's a really great way to kind of end the conversation. I've really enjoyed this. This is so much better than the first one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, thought, so- I, thought, I, thought, I thought the first one was good
1: yeah I thought the first one was good, but like like I said to you like I was in like uh I was feeling like shit that day, and then I fucked the audio completely, and I was like, well, maybe this is a sign that like you know I need to get my shit together
0: go again, go again, all good
1: yeah. all good hey um bro so i finished I finished these podcasts up with something I call the four and one, and then once I've done that. Uh, i'll get you if you're comfortable with leaving you know your socials details so people can follow your music they can get in contact if they want um so basically what the foreign one is i ask you four questions and then you get to ask me one at the end uh i would ask with the question you asked me uh, not about why i do the podcast because probably five of the past seven have been people asking that question and i think listeners will be kind of getting over it (laughs) okay um so you ready to go
0: Okay, I'll, I'll think of your. I'll think of your question. Go on and go.
1: Okay, cool. So first of the four questions I'll be asking you, Tion, your best and worst experiences as a DJ. <sighs>
0: worst, um, worst experiences a DJ. Well, I've had a few. Um, I've done a wedding where. Um, when I was DJing, um, and to be fair, I wasn't really prepared for the wedding. I like to be super organized and I was kind of like chasing shadows, effectively trying to catch up. But anyway, so I'd get to the wedding. I was just on time, but everyone was like, well, where's the DJ? And I sat really quickly and I was like, of course, cool. everything's okay. Trying to act cool. And I'm like, my heart's pumping anyway. So anyway, for the whole time, I'm trying to calm myself down while I'm DJing. And I just get into the groove of it and everyone's like dancing and stuff. And then um this guy's just sitting next to me with his foot on the plug. I didn't even realise and he just kicks <laughs> he just kicks out the plug and the music goes dead. And everyone comes out like, looking at me. I'm like, I haven't touched anything. So then I have to like, obviously um uh, problem solve and work out what's gone wrong and I literally, literally have to just push it in very slightly and then everything comes back on again. But everyone looks at me guess it's my fault, and I was like, well, he had his foot on the socket, like who does that anyway? Put my worst one uh best one best one I've had a few, but I will say playing at St Kilda fest um that was a funny story. but oh, go on basic basically um well. So this is one of my goals, right? This is, this is what happened. So I play for this night, and he, the guy, heard me play. Goes, guy, he goes, mate, you're really good. Do you want to play at the St Kilda Fest after party? I'm like, cool, cool. I play, I play the after party. Play a really good set. He Goes, ah, oh, man, that's amazing. And he goes, ah, oh. and I went, mate, listen, I love playing for you, but I really want to do the main stage or the main, you know, the dance stage at St Kilda Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally. The whole year, I'm badgering this guy, like, mate. If you, you know, just so you know, I'm keen and I can help out. I can do whatever you want me to do. I can promote on my radio show, and I had him on to promote his stuff as well. So, you know, whatever. Anyway, he gives me the set against, mate. I've got loads of DJs. I've got loads of people coming from in- from internationally and interstate to DJ. You can only do the first set. I'm just like, cool. First set. I'm on the stage. I literally there's about like like seven people and a dog, and I'm DJing right, and it's like. <laughs> It's like 10 in the morning and it's cold. I'm DJing. I'm like, cool. This is one of my goals. Tick. I complete the goal. Anyway, I play a really good set. The person who was stage managing was like, oh my God, the music was amazing. It's a shame you're playing so early. I was like, ah, oh, no, that's cool. The people coming after me are really good DJs. Cool. Anyway, the next DJ comes, the next DJ comes, the next DJ comes, then the headliner comes, but doesn't turn up or supposed to be on, but doesn't turn up. Shit. So. <laughs> So the guy who was running the night wanted to get the last DJ to continue. But the stage manager was like, no, 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 ring the first DJ. He was really good. Get him back. Luckily, I was just around the corner at a house party um, so, so my phone rings and he goes, "RT oh, what are you doing? I was like, I'm um, just sat at a house party. He goes, oh yeah, well, DJ has to turn up. If you want to come and do the main set, you can come and do it. I was like, cool. Well, when is it? He goes, yeah, six minutes. I was like, cool. So literally <laughs> I literally have to, I leave the party, grab my bag, run, run down um, Jacka Boulevard up to where the stage was, jump on stage. And I played the set of my life. And I'm just rocking. I'm just rocking. I'm like, woo, and everyone's hands in the air. There's videos of it. And there was like about 7,000 people just like, wow that's amazing so, so, so that's so that's one of my um one of my uh, best sets
1: that's amazing dude what a sick twist of fortune for you
0: yeah you
1: know, i think yeah. i think that comes down to like you you did <laughs> like you just nailed everything right like you nailed your first set if you hadn't have, have gone in there with that kind of amazing yeah. positive attitude you probably would yeah. have played a shit set and then it wouldn't have resulted that way so it pays to like you know, put in the work even when you think that it's not worth it, right? Just like keep yeah. fucking doing your
0: best. You know what? And I learned that story from, from a f- friend of mine. Because I used to just, like, if if it was empty, I used to just play like just background music. Mm. But my friend, my sister's friend, sh- shout out to Aston Contrast, mm. um, he said to me, always play your heart out because you never know. And luckily, I play my heart out in the first set and i got the second set. So
1: that's awesome, dude.
0: Congrats on
1: that. Congrats on that. Um, And I've heard you play before and you are phenomenal. Uh, So well done. Well done. Um, Next question for you. What keeps you motivated as a teacher, uh, even when you're dealing with terrible students or it's just like a really shitty situation?
0: Um, Motivated probably not the right word, probably patient I am with kids because, one, they're kids and kids are kids. Yeah, true. Things and stupid things and it's like, well, what do you expect is a kid? That's what kids do, you know, so Mm. that makes me patient. Um, Also, when a kid is in front of you, you only have them for an hour or a day or whatever, but for the other 23 hours before, they could have had so much go on. Mm. So they they are the product of how they are right now. It's very hard for children who are learning to control their emotions to be calm when, you know, their mum and dad have just broken up or someone's lost their job or their nan's not very well or their baby sister's been crying all night, you know. So there's, there's so many variables that go on and you only get them for an hour and you have to try and do the best of what you have in front of you, obviously. But if they are misbehaving, if they are a bit ratty or tired, there's, there's, there's. It could be a hundred reasons why they are that way. So that's made me a lot more patient and tolerant and understanding. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, one of the things I do now or try and do is just have a chat with the kids. So you know, I'd be like, oh, um, hi, Mr. Massey, how are you? What's happening? And I try and let You know, how's the how's the podcast going? You know, oh, who's he got coming on? Mm-hmm. So just just to kind of uh, relate to them. It's not for like twenty minutes. It's just like a three minute not only three minutes, like a 30 second check in. How are you doing? What's news? What's happening? Are you good? Okay, cool. And then from there, hopefully us kind of grounded everyone and then we can try and get something done productively for the class.
1: Yeah. I think that's such a good thing to have as a teacher. And I remember when I was at school, teachers were not patient with me and I understand why they weren't because I was a little shit to put it frankly. Um, but, but why were you a little shit? That's the question. E- exactly, right? Like I wish, I I mean, you can't change the past, right? And I wish I had had more teachers um, who asked me those kind of questions because then maybe I would have had a better time at school. But unfortunately, I didn't. Um, so it, it's good that there is teachers out there like yourself, you know, who are able to sit there and go, all right, this kid hasn't been a little shit just because of me. They've been a little shit because of some stuff that's going on in their life that I don't yet understand. Okay. Yeah. So I really like that.
0: Okay. Next question.
1: Next question for you, bro. Okay. So this one's a bit of a funny one. You have to be this person. So think of like Freaky Friday, the movie um, or the the song by Chris Brown. (laughs) Um, So you have to be this person for the rest of your life. And you only have these two choices. It's either Ed Sheeran or Cardi B. Who do you choose? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Ed Sheeran, I think. Why? Um, Apart from
1: the fact he's a boy and you're a boy.
0: <laughs> why Ed Sheeran? Because Ed Sheeran sat on Jamie Foxx's couch. True,
1: actually. I heard that in the podcast too. Yeah, did, I didn't yeah. know that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jamie Foxx, sorry, and Ed Sheeran is one of those he doesn't have the face for entertainment. Let's be honest. He's not the best looking bloke in the world. Mm. But just through pure talent and his voice, um, he's, he's, made, he's made it a for his name. So props to Ed Sheeran. Mm,
1: mm. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Uh, cool. All right. You get a question for me, bro. Or, is
0: that three or four? Is that That's three? four.
1: That was four. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, no. no, no, no. That was three. You're right. The last okay. one. How has having a son changed your life?
0: Wow. Um, I don't think it has, to be honest. Well, not that much. Obviously, you, you sacrifice yourself a, a, a lot more and you give up a lot more of your time. Um, but I was very adamant when, well, cognitively, that when I had a son, it wasn't going to mean or it wasn't going to mean I would stop doing c- certain things. Mm. So some people, you know, like, you know, they like to go out and want, you know, and they have kids, I can't go out anymore. Or, you know, I have kids, I can't go for dinners anymore, or I can't DJ anymore, or I can't play sport anymore. And for me, that is, that's really, really, um, a really p- problemat- problematic, problematic, mm. and a really negative way to think about kids. Mm. Um, when people think about kids that way, it's more like a sentence. You know, mm. uh, you can't do what you what you used to do, which makes you you. Mm. Um, when really you should be trying to show the kids of the things that you like to do mm. and teach them how to do it if they're interested. Mm. So, in that sense, um, not much because I still DJ and I still you know exercise. And I still I can I can I, mean, I mean we still travel. We go away. We've been to the UK. We've been up to. The border, we've been down to Geelong, we've been down to uh, Philip Island, or whatever. still do a bit of traveling that we like to do, but not as much, obviously. Mm. Um, but what it has done is meant that I need to be a lot more time sensitive um, and improve my time management even more so. Mm. So he gets the best of me whenever I'm around. Um, so I'm not there half asleep, tired. I'm there and I'm awake and I'm engaged and I want to do what he wants to do. And we're exploring and we're climbing trees and we're riding bikes and we're stealing the scooters and all all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, also, um, just another mouth to feed as well. So when I buy food, I've got to be mindful of things (laughs) that he would eat. So he likes to think funny. He's, 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 he's a funny person. He doesn't really eat meat. So we just give him vegetables. And he just eats broccoli and corn and avocado and all that kind of pasta. <laughs> so, yeah. So apart from um, time and food, it hasn't really changed me that much.
1: Mm-hmm. It sounds like, if anything, it's just motivated you
0: more. Um, it has. It has. It's made me more disciplined, mm-hmm. I think, in terms of what I like to do. And I try and tell my partner as well, you know, like just because we've got a son, that doesn't mean you can't be polite, you can't do your bar class or you can't go out with the girls. Mm. Go out with the girls. That's very important. Go out and do what you want to do, you like to do. Go out, get drunk. I'll wake up with my son. You, you lie there for six hours. With, with, um, I can deal with it. That's fine. You yeah. know, if we need to, we can get a babysitter. That's mm. fine. Mm. Um, but it, it, should, it shouldn't mean that, you know, you stop doing what you like to do.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Cool, bro. You got a question for me?
0: All right. I've, I've changed it. I wasn't going to ask you about your tattoos, but now I want to ask you why you were a little shit at school.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah. Actually, I saw you thinking when I was saying that. I was like, oh, I wonder what he's thinking about. So now I know. <laughs> why was I a little shit at school? Bro, I, I mean, I think it's it's super nuanced, the answer, but I think I was a, I was a product... In part of my upbringing, like my brother and I, we were both, I would say, little shits at school, and I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that we didn't have uh, a father really present much at all during our childhood. Like we had a, you know, our father wasn't the greatest person in the world, and he had circumstances and his own personal situations that led him to become the person he was. But it, it resulted in my brother and I. Not really getting that kind of discipline that we needed. And my mom did an amazing job, but there's only so much you can do as a single mom who's struggling to, you know, keep food on the table and keep you clothed. So I think that's the reason why we were the way we were at school. Uh, But also, you know, that's why we become who we are today. And yeah, I mean, I'm happy I kind of went through those experiences because it made me who I am
0: today so you think so you think because you had because of the lack of your father that made you an, an an irritated kid you think
1: yeah i think it was yeah the lack of uh the lack of any sort of like strong male role models in my life as as a younger child meant i kind of i played up at school because almost because i was craving that kind of like i think it was because yeah i was i was I was craving some sort of attention from a male figure because I didn't really have that as a kid. I'd say that would be that would be the right answer.
0: Okay, cool. Come Sorry on, if I've opened up any feelings or anything.
1: No, not at all, bro. I am an open book. I'm happy to talk about all of the shit. And I think it's, it's a really valuable thing to do, especially as men. We suck at it, generally.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, we do, we do.
1: Yeah. Anyway, bro, um, so let's kind of wrap up with... If people are listening to this and they're like, you know what, I really want to follow Tion's music. Check me out, follow
0: me, like me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. where where can they do that? Where can they do all that good stuff?
0: If they type in on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Teon J, T-E-O-N space J-A-Y, you find me on Mixcloud as well under that, Tion J. Loads of mixes, I've got about 300 on there, Mm. some radio shows, um, some guest mixes, I've got Paolo's on there as well. You can check that one out. yeah, T on J, T-E-O-N-J-A-Y, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram.
1: Awesome. And I'll put all of those in the show notes if people wanna to link to it a little bit easier. Um, sick bro, well thank you so much. It's been a fucking awesome conversation. So thanks for Thank you for on having show.
0: me. Anytime.
1: Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you got a ton out of that conversation. Uh, I know I definitely did. Uh, It's so good to have discussions with Tion, and I find the dialogue is always so open, so accepting, and there's always kind of that element of just trying to learn something new. Uh, So I really enjoyed hearing all about music, hearing all about uh, how he balances his life being a DJ, a presenter, a host, but then also a full-time teacher. And I really enjoyed the fact that we were able to dive a little bit into race, to prejudice, and have just an open conversation so that we can understand more individually. And hopefully by listening to our conversation, you guys were able to understand a little bit more yourself and maybe ask a few more important questions in your own life. Anyway, anything that we talked about leaving in the show notes will be in the show notes as well as all of Teon's details uh feel free to reach out to him send him a message or just send him some feedback uh, much love to each and every one of you if you do want to get in contact with me best way is through instagram at couple of lattes, and enjoy that